Well, howdy, everybody. Uh, welcome again. Growing in grace together. My name is Joel Brzezinski, uh, and with me once again, Mick Mooney, uh, the author of, well, several different things. Uh, a lot of people know you, uh, Mick, as the comic book guy, the Searching for Grace comic. And, uh, you know, that was a lot of, it's always been a lot of fun reading your, your comics, and, and now that's been made into a book so people can get that and of course your latest book god's grace apart from law and uh, many other things searchingforgrace.com you say is the the yes, best place for people right. to find you and all the stuff that you do um so that's a good resource uh, one thing i just wanted to say real quickly before we get started here um pertaining our, our last conversation and uh the what i like about talking with you Mick one of the one of the things out of many uh it, you know I I think I asked a, a question and instead of just giving a a quick simple answer because a quick I think a quick simple answer wouldn't have survived wouldn't have sufficed and, and I and I saw this I saw the wheels kind of turning you said let me go back and look at and look at this thing that Paul said so that I can answer and what you did was you went to kind of what I think another thing, the word that I brought up last time, the foundation, the foundation of, of why you think a certain way rather than just saying, well, this is it. Because I think so much of of stuff that gets misunderstood in, in Christianity today is because we just do just simply look at a verse or a paragraph in the Bible and we get our answer right there and we miss, we get the wrong answer a lot of times because we miss what was said elsewhere that kind of you know that builds a foundation towards that and so that's one thing i like talking about to you is that you don't just give quick pat answers but you've got thought and um and other stuff behind what you're thinking and that's i think that's been really beneficial to people and so i just appreciate that about you and so we've got we've got quite a few more things to talk about we'll see uh if we yeah. can make it 20 minutes <laughs> <I doubt it. laughs> but uh either way it should be another good conversation here mick thanks again for being with me yeah thanks and i appreciate um being on the show and speaking with you of course and um and for what you just said you know i think that's uh that's really nice to hear and i think that's it's the the journey that i'm on is and i think what i've learned everyone is on actually is um, our our relationship with God and our understanding of Him and our understanding of the gospel um, is going to take our whole life to really get closer to the, the truth of it, um, you know. And so, I think we we start off thinking that um, we just need to do a three week course, one hour a week, um, you know, with a little coffee break, and then we've got the foundations of of everything we believe and I've kind of realized now it's it's a huge journey we're trying to we're trying to understand the heart of the creator of the universe mm -hmm. we're trying to we're trying to understand the plan of the one who created all things you know that's it's a it's a big <laughs> deal we're trying to understand the the sacrifice that was enough to redeem mankind you know we these are huge, huge um, realities that that God has done and God is, and um, and it's a, it's a journey to to let God by His Spirit help us understand that in in greater ways. You know? Right, so. and and that's and it brings me to another uh, one other thing that I 
that I like about you is that um, as I was, as we talked about um, last time I had narrated uh, the book, your book, Look, the Finished Work of Jesus, and um, I had already read it, but as I was as I was reading it out loud and and recording it, the something really stuck out to me, is and that's that you keep pointing back, you keep going back to that perfect finished work of Jesus. <laughs> you keep going back to Jesus. You keep pointing to Jesus, and then in in God's grace, apart from law, it's same thing. It's about Christ and the perfect finished work of of Jesus, and uh, and. And then uh, I think uh, one of the uh, examples you used, I think, in "Look, the Finished Work of Christ" was this whole universe, Jesus, and and it's and and it's you know billions and billions of 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 light years big, and you got Jesus, his left. Hand, I don't know if I'm wording this right, but his, the way that you did, but his left hand is on one end of it, his right hand on the other, and he and he holds that all together. In him, everything consists. He's holding it all together. Uh, Christ is what Christ is. What holds everything together, and and to kind of grasp that. I mean, it's just huge. It's just a really big thing, and and, and it really is difficult for us to completely grasp it all, and and we never will. Uh, we're just kind of on this journey again, like we've been talking about this journey of of finding out not only about Jesus, but it, discovering his very life in us, that the one who made the universe and holds it all together, living in us. And, uh, and again, his perfect finished work. It's, it's just, it's just hard to imagine it all. Uh, the, the thing is that it's real. That's, that's what is um, so incredible is that, that these statements are, are actually the reality, you know, mm. That, you know, the, the creator of the universe, the one that holds all things together, he loved you so much that he, he humbled himself, really, from, from holding, like you said, you know, one side of the universe to the other, and it's like a basketball in his hands. He's so big and glorious and awesome and wonderful and beautiful and almighty and all-powerful, and it was for you and for me and for all of us that he would let that go to come to our level so we could look at him and see him and understand him at our level so that when he went back to his true size, he could bring us with him on that journey. You know, God, I think Christ wants us to understand the reality of who he is from his bigness, you know, from the cosmic Christ size. Mm. But you can't understand that unless you first look into his eyes as the man who came for you, you know. Face to face, uh, you know, is no one left to condemn you? Well, neither do I condemn you. You got to see him on that level, that hum humanity, that that love that you haven't received from anyone else. That no one can give you that, you know. And look in the eyes of Christ and see it's true. Uh, that then he can bring us higher and higher in his greater reality, you know. And you know, I think that's the beautiful thing if we. I, I hope that comes across in my books, that this is what captures my heart. It's always Christ is real. That's why the whole thing's going to work out, you know. Um, and, yeah, he, that I think is is what Paul did so often, you know. Paul, people would look at Paul, and I write this in God's grace apart from law, and would look at what Paul was saying, 
And they would try to look at it only on a theological level and try to break it down into scripture points or into just bullet points and and then dissect it and then explain to people why it's technically wrong. Um, but Paul didn't do that. Paul was like looking at the cosmic Christ mm-hmm. who gave himself for him. You know, Paul, it was a living reality to Paul. So Paul wasn't trying to explain it like winning a theological uh, theory debate you know he was trying to explain from his heart a reality god had shown him you know and and i think that's what we all um we all as we mature in christ that's our desire man i want to just express the reality of this great christ who is way bigger loves us way more you know has given way more than we could understand is far more accepting than we can relate with has a love that is is way bigger than anything you've ever experienced. You know, all of it is just so big. And um, and f- when we try to teach in a way that we we got it, you know, like I've got the entire revelation and I know it. I think that it's it's impossible. You know, I think you we we teach like Paul taught from that point of. Let me, ex- let me try to explain how big he is. I'm not going to be able to do it, but I'm going to give it a shot. Let me try to explain the depths of his love. I can't do it, but I'm going to do it the best job I can. Let me just show you how much he loves you. you know, let, me, let, let me try to reveal this whole concept that God has forgiven you. It's too big to understand. It's beyond understanding, but I'll try. You know, it's hmm. always this, I haven't got the whole thing, but I'm going to give all I've got to try to help you just think about it because... When you rest in the reality of Christ, as far as as big as you can have Him in your heart, then God will stretch it and make it bigger. You know, and I think that's the journey of how big can can the reality of Christ become in our spirits. You know. Yeah, and, and this makes the, the Bible become so much more than than a, a textbook. You know, a lot of people. I mean, and I have been like this too, and so I understand it. I mean, you figure you got I've got so many minutes per day. Uh, that I need to read the Bible and get my highlighter out and I highlight things and and I'm just and I'm studying the text uh, so that I can learn more about Jesus and more about what I'm supposed to do and all these things and but what you're talking about here it makes it it makes things become so much more than just simply uh, a, a a textbook learning experience because yeah sure the bible is is wonderful and it has a lot of things that will help us to know the creator of the universe and in him living in us but the point isn't studying the bible the point is knowing christ the point is knowing this creator of the universe who who like you say cared and loved loved us so much that he came as a man, as a baby, um, not really knowing a thing. As a baby, I mean, as a baby, I don't even, I think we might have even talked about this the last time we had a conversation, but I'm not sure. But um, And he grew as a human being into a boy and into a, and into a man and, and related to us as a human being, this this not just so that we could get our Bibles out and try to learn and try to get our time in every day, but so that we could know God. And I love how you put that. So then when he got, went back to being uh, this in, into the cosmic reality of Christ, I can't remember how you worded that, but he took us with him on, on that journey. We were swallowed up into his death and, and we were risen again with him. And that's a reality, not just 
a textbook experience for us. Yeah, and, and this is where you understand Paul's frustration, where Paul would explain this great reality. And then someone would go, yeah, but look at this scripture. And, you know, it's sort of like Paul is like living in this reality of what Christ has done, which is so wonderful. And someone's not even listening to that. They're not even trying to live in that reality. They're just waiting for him to shut up so they can point to the Bible. And, and they're missing the whole point of what Paul is trying to do, you know. And Paul, you know, it says in Acts, um, Paul um, showed them uh, um, all the way through the law and the prophets about the Christ. And he debated where they couldn't explain that but Paul's pointing to the law and the prophets. He says at the end in his big speech, you know, I've said nothing that disagrees with the law and the prophets. Um, he says at the start of Romans, you know, um, about uh, the, the gospel that is found that the law and the prophets testify to. Paul is not afraid of the law, you know, at all. Um, but at the same time, he talks about the written code that brings death and condemnation. And, and what people, I don't think many Christians think about, but when Paul says the written code brings death, he's talking about the Bible. Hmm. Yeah, He's talking <laughs> about the Bible. He's talking about reading the Bible. If you just read wow. your Bible thinking that's going to teach you about God and help you understand God, it's going to actually condemn you and bring death, spiritual death. It's going to, it's going to bring this condemnation. And, and Paul's talking, it's like saying to these people, listen, guys, if you look at the Bible as a testimony to Christ, if you look at the Bible and see it's always reflecting a, a mystery revealing itself to you is showing you another beautiful aspect of Christ, another part of his redeeming work for man, another part of the depths of his love. Another, you know, if you're looking in the Bible to say, God, show me more of the secret that's now revealed into my heart, let me see Christ. Then the, the, the Bible is going to just explode with life and glory for you. But if you look at the Bible and just try to say, I'm going to read the Bible so I know how to be a better Christian. Um, in that mindset of trying to find the rules to follow, then, you know, it's the written code. And I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, the written code is the whole Bible is written, right? Mm -hmm. I, I <laughs> um, think even, even, even Paul's really, really good admonitions for the church that, that he wrote as, you know, for, for, you know, in a very purposeful sense to... Uh, the various churches that he wrote to, and it was really good stuff that he wrote to them. Even those really good things, just like the law, good and just and holy, all of that can become death and condemnation to us and bondage and, and guilt-producing if we're not looking at it through the lens of and, and, and through knowing Jesus Christ as a person, you know, Jesus Christ himself, and through this relationship, uh, this eternal, uh, huge relationship that we have with him, that just, that's just amazing. I mean, how you, how you worded all that, and, and what kind of, if, if people could grasp what that really well, means. Well, I think the, the thing is that um, we don't have to be afraid to, to say things like that. There, there's enormous pressure. Um, when you think about Christianity and the religious the religious pressure um, that there's some things that are so built up that people are afraid that they're going to become an outcast if they would dare to 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 see things from a different perspective, you know. And and I think that the Bible has been um, has been built up to such a point where 
this is the ultimate authority. Uh, and it doesn't seem that the Bible even says that. You know, it, it seems to me like um, God has gone out of his way to discredit the Bible, you know. Um, but mm. he's at the same time saying, but, uh, you know, if you, if you um, let me lead you by the Spirit, and if it's Spirit-led reading, then I'm going to show you some, some mysteries in there no one else can see. It's going to be like daddy's son's, you know, secret, you know, God. Because the Bible is, um, has been used throughout time to basically con condemn anyone that for political or whatever reason throughout history, um, you know, in the Crusades and, you know, all this stuff. Um, you know, it's pointing, it's the authority, authoritative leaders that are pointing to the Bible and saying this is what God wants. And, um, and I think God knew that, you know, um, and there's a whole chapter in the book um, that I write about this, about how um, we, we shouldn't try to make the Bible as in like the Bible is equal with God. Um, because what people are really saying is my interpretation of the Bible is equal with mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible is, you know, um, I had a, I, the revelation I had of this was a few years ago when my dad spoke to me, he read a book, um, some just some guy, motivational book that he really was into, you know, and um, he's saying, oh, it's a great book, you know, and he says, oh, you know, he quotes the Bible. And I said, what? He quotes the Bible? I said, is he a Christian? He says, no, 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 he's not a Christian, anything like that, but um, he quotes from different things, um, you know, different books and stuff, and he quotes from the Bible as well. And I said, what did he quote? And then he told me he quoted one of the parables of Jesus uh, and then explained it, but he's just explaining his point. Whatever, whatever his point was in the book. So he's using the Bible um, as a proof text to help explain something that he wants to explain. And, um, and this is, a, I just realized in this moment, oh, wow. You know, so basically you can just use a scripture to prove whatever you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever thought you've got, um, you can then just go, okay, now I'm going to go into the Bible and just find a scripture that will back me up. Um, but the problem with that, of course, is, you know, it's crazy because we're not really looking at the Bible saying, God, help me understand what you're trying to say here. Let me see that big picture. You take me on this journey. If we think we just want to go to the Bible to back up our theology, you know, you'll find the scriptures, but you can still be completely wrong. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and totally miss the, you know, Christ, the life of Christ. Yeah. I mean, look at God. Look what God has done. He, he basically um, lays out this law, right? about clean and unclean. We talked about this in the last podcast. Um, and then he says to Peter, when he's at Corinthians, uh, Cornelius' house or Simon's house or whatever, you know, get up, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, never eat anything unclean that used, um, never eat anything that's unclean. And God says, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. And it's like, but God, you wrote that down for us. You know, we have to fault. We have to fault. Why? You know, and you imagine Peter's kind of confusion. Why would you, God, why would you write that? But, but now you're just telling us to do something else, knowing now everyone that we bump into, they're going to point back to what you wrote and tell us we're wrong. But actually, we're listening to your spirit now, and your spirit is, is revealing this greater reality, which is beautiful. But, but you're making it hard for us, God, because you, you've written stuff that contradicts what you're telling us now. You know, and, so, <laughs> and this is true, right? This is the whole thing that um, God is doing something in the Bible that we still cannot grasp. There's a reality that what he's doing. And, and um, you know, you look at this whole point with grace and law, and the big question 
that you will come to as a believer when you're going on this journey is ask yourself the question, God, why did you put the law in the Bible at all? Now we have to come, we're trying to explain to people that we're living by grace, but but they're Christians and lots of them, Lord, and and they all point to the Bible. And, it, you know, they've got a sound reason to do it. It's right there. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, and we might say, man, God, I know that you gave us the, all these scriptures, but also then they've got those scriptures and, you know, and so the Bible basically you can take to, to prove whatever perspective you want. Mm-hmm. And we have to get over that. We have to say, you know what, I know I could just find scriptures that prove what I wanted to say. But instead of doing that, Lord, I'm going to take a step back and ask you as a baby, as a little child, what is it actually about? You know, <laughs> and Because we can't understand it if we just try to read it. The written code will not help you understand God. You need to let the Spirit bring you through that whole journey. And then, you know, you're just going to find things that just are incredible. Do you know what I mean? And, and it, it just gets deeper and deeper. And, and the challenge is when we build a theology, which Christianity has done over the, um, the centuries and millenniums and so, that is really focused on making the, the Bible, which really means the, the leader's interpretation of the Bible, um, the truth, um, every believer is going to find, I think, themselves coming to this point of um, the Holy Spirit leading them to a point where they know people are going to now think I'm a heretic. You know, it's, you just, the Spirit just keeps leading me into this greater revelation of God's grace and love. And they're going to be friends and family and, and people from my church and stuff that just not going to understand this because they're going to look and just read the Bible as a written code and it's going to con- be contradictory. And and anyway, just saying all that to say, yeah, it's a big mess. You know, that it, it's difficult. And the question that we ask is, God, why did you do it? You know, I don't know if you've ever asked that. God, why did you put the law in there? You mm-hmm. know, and, and I think the reason is that what you brought up at the start, this whole thing of always pointing back to Christ, is the only way you can explain the good news of God's grace apart from law is to make Christ, the risen Christ, the center point of every single point you make. And God, as in his wisdom, has created the Bible in such a way that people will misunderstand him and will cling on to religious ideas but then when we come along and say um, we are living in a reality of a new covenant of grace apart from law, they say, how is that possible? Because the Bible says this and that and that. How is that possible? And here is God giving us the platform now to lift Christ up. So okay, let me show you how this is possible. Hmm. And it's the lifting of Jesus up and saying it's because of this and this, what he's done, what Christ has done, it's who he is. It's, this is the journey that Christ has fulfilled. And we must keep lifting him up. It's the only way to explain it. And this is how God gets glory. Because he's setting it up where people that would never ask you questions or that you would never have the opportunity to make Christ absolute center, this debate, he has to be center. It has to, if it's not about Christ, it's not going to make sense. You know, and so um when when we don't have this, we end up talking about, you know, three points on how to be a better leader or three points on on how to be more of a prayer warrior and, and you know, the skills of intercession. And you, know, you can talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but it's not about Christ, you know? Right. It's these things that are going on around the idea of Christ. But this whole point of let me explain the gospel, and let me tell you, I'm confident enough to say it's not with the law. We are under grace alone. That's like 
okay, that's impossible, people think. How is that possible? I've got all these scriptures, God's done this and that. And then there is the moment that we have where we get to lift Christ up and say, okay, let me explain it. And right. it's always got to be about the finished work of Christ. It's always got to be about the bigness of his plan. It's always got to be about, you know, you can't explain anything outside of Christ. And so that's my perspective. I think God, at first you can think, God, why you put these scriptures in here that just seem to be kind of clear and stuff uh, and make it more difficult? But I think it's always because he knows in his wisdom that's gonna, that scripture that you think is against the gospel is going to be um, a great gift to you because first I'll open your eyes to help you understand it. And then when people quote it, it will give you a chance to lift up the reality of Christ to help explain it to them as well. And, and I think that... You know, God knows what he's doing, but um, but the the law is got to be understood in the correct correct way, you know. Right. Yeah. And, and and I think that's that's a really good point. I mean, all of that, because, as, you know, so much of us, I think, as we've uh, said previously, we have this mindset that the Bible is, quote, the word of God. And so you open it up and whatever you read, God said it. That settles it, <laughs> and and I believe it, and so that you know that so that settles it, and and uh, missing really the life of Christ, and and again, I th I think it's good to ask God questions like that, like you know, why did you put that there? You know, I've asked God that about a lot of things, and some for some things I don't have an answer, and and you know, certain things like um, oh, certain certain happening, certain things that happened in in the Book of Acts. Uh, the couple that that uh, were struck down that died um, for lying to the Holy Spirit. It, it, Can I give you my take on that? Sure. Now this awesome. might come. This is not something probably that you've you've heard, but I think it's so important. In fact, um, my next um, book that's going to come out next year is actually on the whole Book of Acts because I think there's so much going on in that book that needs to be to at least be people be able to see things from a different perspective because. You got this moment, right? And this is where everyone is massively confused. You just said, what is it, Sapphire and Ananias? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Acts yeah. 5. Um, you know, you've got Sapphire and, and Ananias, and they, um, you know, they die. They get struck down for, for lying to God, you know, Peter. And, um, and I've heard all sorts of things what people say, but basically everyone says either they're not Christians or... You know, you want to get the legalistic preachers, you know, they, you know, they disobeyed spiritual authority, you know, they, they, you know, and God will kill you if you don't obey me. That's why, you know, <laughs> just shocking theology, really. Um, but what I talked about in this last podcast we did, if people didn't listen to it, it's worth having a listen to get the background. But this whole understanding of we've got to understand the big picture of Acts and understand Luke, because Luke wrote Acts. Why was he writing that? What was Luke's journey with Paul? You know, there's a, there's just so much going on um, in the background to understand why it got written and what's the point. And we talked about how Peter from Acts 1 through to Acts 15 didn't even really understand the gospel. You know, he still thought it was um, only for Jews for a big part of it. He still thought that it was a mixture of law and grace. And finally, he stood up for grace alone uh, at the Council of Jerusalem. But um, the first 15 chapters, I believe, are really um Luke trying to help us understand the life of Peter to see um, this guy going from loving Christ, giving everything for Christ, but having the wrong understanding, but being a super um, guy and also being really anointed as a leader. 
and showing us the journey for him to get to really um, grasping and living out the gospel. When you read um, Peter's letters, you see he's trying to, uh, he says, I'm writing this to testify to the true grace of God. You know, he, he spent half his life preaching the wrong stuff, you know, or preaching mm-hmm. a mixed gospel. And if you look at that, you understand, okay, um, in Acts 5, um, um, Barnabas, um, God, the Holy Spirit, let's say, speaks to Barnabas. And he says to Barnabas, um, sell everything you've got because you're going to be traveling the rest of your life. You're not coming back here to settle down. I've got plans for you. Now, probably didn't say that, but, you know, this. what Barnabas felt is, you know, just give it all, which is good because it's spirit-led, right? Right. And God knows that because God's got this whole plan for Barnabas to, to never have a home, to be traveling for the gospel and doing all the sacrificial things he did. You know, he didn't need the money, didn't need the home, he didn't need that place. But then this culture, let's just say, of giving breaks out in Jerusalem, you know, then everyone feels like, well, I've got to give all my stuff as well, you know. And so then you've got Ananias and Sapphira, but the thing is, God doesn't want them to give their house away or their land because maybe God wanted, you know, maybe God knew, hey, guys, you know, in like about five or ten years, there's going to be a massive um, drought or, you know, um, you know, massive poverty here in Jerusalem. People are going to lose their jobs. And I kind of want you to keep this place because you're going to have to house some people. Maybe God was thinking that, you know. But again, this danger of listening to leaders um, and teachers as opposed to trusting the Spirit can probably cause them to fall into, no, we've got to give everything because we want to be faithful, you know. We want to prove we've got faith. And even if that can't, means we have to deny the Spirit telling us, no, no, don't do it, just relax, you know, no. And so they try to sell everything. But if you try to do something without the help of the Spirit, you can't do it. You know, you have to cover up, you have to start lying, it gets embarrassing, you know. And so they sell their, their property, their land, but they keep part of it. They're too weak because the Spirit's not even telling them to do it, let's say. But they do it because everyone else is doing it, Barnabas just did it, we want to... We, we love God. We want to do what God wants, you know. Getting so nervous, they're doing the wrong thing maybe, uh, as opposed to being able to rest and say, you know what, I know we've got land and property, but we don't feel God telling us to sell it, you know. Hmm. Then mm-hmm. they, they get involved, oh, we, we have to, you know, because otherwise maybe we says we don't love God enough or we don't have enough faith, oh, let's just do it, you know. And again, it's like, no, no, what you should have done is you should have rested and trusted the Spirit would make it easy for you if that's what he wanted like you made it easy for Barnabas. But instead they sell it, they keep back part of it, and they already feel condemned um, themselves. They feel bad enough. And then here's the thing. The Holy Spirit speaks to Peter. And the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter, but what does he say? You know, and this is really interesting because the Holy Spirit says to Peter, um, Ananias and Sophia um, held back part of the money. But what's important to understand is how did Peter interpret what he heard the Spirit say to him. And Peter is living under a law mindset at this point. We know that because he hasn't even um, had the revelation that the gospel is for Gentiles as well, nor has he had the revelation that he's not under the law. In fact, in Acts 9, um, he's proud of it to God. God, I have never eaten anything unclean. I'm obedient to the law. You know, so we know he's a law guy at this point. And how does a law mindset understand that? He understands it well, first of all, what would a grace mindset do? 
If Peter was living under grace, he would have went up to Ananias and Sapphira privately and said to them things that would have built them up in their faith. And that is, listen, guys, um, I know that you kept some of the money, but listen, here's the other part. And you don't have to give anything. The Spirit wants you to know you can be led by Him. Don't, don't feel pressured to do this stuff. Look, keep it. If you want to give it later when you feel the Spirit is, is um, giving you the strength and the, the want, the desire to do it, that's good. But here, you know, and listen, guys, um, no one knows about this. And God loves you. You know, you are trustworthy to God. So listen to His Spirit. And then maybe Ananias and Sapphira could have went away and wept at the love and grace of God and then be built up in their spirits. And maybe they would have given it uh, at another time or whatever, or maybe not, you know. This would be a grace approach. But what does Peter do? Peter waits until the guy comes in, in front of everybody, and he points at him and he says, you've kept back part of the money. You haven't been disobedient to me. You've been disobedient to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And the guy drops dead of that condemnation. And people need to understand, when you live in a legalistic, um, authoritative leaders community, um, where you don't think them bad, you kind of almost idolize them. They, they are so wonderful. They're the leader. They're God's anointed. They're this great thing. If you can picture yourself, maybe you've had a person like that in your life in the past, right when you're in, really in it. If he was to turn around in front of everybody and point at you and say, you lied to the Holy Spirit, you probably would drop dead. Drop dead. Do you know I mean like, no, I'm not even joking. It's like that, that has so much power in it that leaders need to realize that. You know, people are looking up to leadership and, you know, that, so this guy falls down dead and then Sophia comes in and the same thing happens to her. And then everyone starts ter being terrified of God. You know, is this what we want in the community? Everyone's terrified. Of, oh my God! If I tell a lie, God's going to kill me. You know what I mean, it's crazy. But then you see the next moment. Straight after that, Peter is walking down the road, and as he walks down the road, his shadow um, goes over people, and they are healed of their sickness just by his shadow. But what is this showing you? This is when he's living by grace. When he's not trying to do anything, things happen because God's given him this, this anointing, you know what I mean, as a leader. And, and, and he can be of great value to a community, to others, when he lets God operate in his life mm -hmm. by grace. But when he takes it upon himself to interpret God's words and God's, what God speaks to maybe in his spirit, and then he translates it in a, mind, a law mindset, he ends up condemning people. And, and I would say that this was Peter's mistake. You know? Of course, you never hear that from leaders because leaders don't want Peter ever to be wrong or any leader in the Bible ever to be wrong. It's always the people that are wrong. <laughs> but the whole book of Acts, people go home and read it again and you will see God is trying to show us that the leadership are the problem. <laughs> the leaders were wrong so many times. And when we understand that, then we can understand. It's like, Sorry, I'm just going to go on a bit now, but um, Acts 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, you may have heard someone say this as in, like, so you've got to devote yourself to my teaching or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. and, um, and they quote That's this scripture, you know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And you've got to understand what Luke was writing there is, hey, guys, just as a little side comment, that was a really bad, bad thing they did. <laughs> that was bad. He didn't write that as, that was good. He wrote that as, 
that was bad. And you know he wrote that is that was bad because what they were preaching was wrong. They devoted themselves to the wrong teaching. They should have been devoting themselves to the teaching of the Spirit in them. Mm-hmm. Instead, they devoted themselves to the teaching of these guys who were honest. They're not evil guys. They loved God. They were called by God. But they were wrong about heaps of stuff. The, the people devoted themselves to wrong teaching. And they could not separate the apostles and their teaching from the truth that the Spirit was trying to reveal to them. And, and when you get to Acts 10 or Acts 15 and you realize, wow, these guys are like completely wrong about heaps of stuff. Go back and read Acts 2 and say, oh, maybe Luke was trying to help us understand something of the problem. And even when people say to me, we've got to get back to Acts 2, the Acts 2 church. Right. I say to them, listen, guys, if you want an Acts 2 church, you better be ready for an Acts 21 church when it's all grown up. You know, go and read Acts 2. It's easy when you're starting something. Everybody, it always works. It's just community. It's just eating together. It's great anticipation. But if you don't get the foundation of the gospel right in your community, you will end up in 20 or 30 years with a high priest-like person like James, all of the elders who are zealous for the law, and um, totally trying to discredit people like Paul who are preaching the truth. You've got to get the foundation right. Don't look at the fruit of an early beginning because it always works in the beginning but yeah. if the foundation's not right it will get bad mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's what the whole point of Acts is it's really trying to say look you know look what happened to the early church when they didn't allow paul's the revelation god gave paul to be the foundation and that you know that's one one thing that um i've kind of recently gotten you know, kind of understood or have seen about the book of Acts is that it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but not necessarily the right Acts of the Apostles. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a it's a book that talks about where Luke writes about the things that happened in the early church, but it's not. We don't necessarily read it read everything and say, all right, this is how it's done. This is how we're supposed to do it. This is right. This, or, or this is, like this you is say, what we were the, talking about. You yeah. know, when you, you can't just read a scripture and say, you know, for example, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, then that's what we, we must do. Right. It's like, no, you've got to read the whole book. In fact, it's not enough to read the whole book of Acts. You've got to read all of Paul's letters and and uh, Acts, and then, you know, you've got to just let God really give you some revelation and stuff. It's, it's big, you know. But yeah. like you said, you know, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, I was talking with a friend uh, probably about a year ago, and he came over, and, and he's getting, he's been part of this um, new church for a few years now, and and he was talking about how this other church that he went to and how they were worshiping God, and they're all doing it wrong anyway. Uh, they're you know they're not following the the biblical model, and and I, uh, you know, I just I we. He didn't stay long enough that we could talk this out, but I thought, you know what? That's what it, it, kind of like what you're you've been saying, Mick. Here is that he they're not following that other church is not following his interpretation of what the Bible says worship is to be about and in a church service and all this. And and uh, he's what he's done is I believe he's read the the Bible certain parts of it that say to do this, to do this, and to do this, to do it this way. Maybe even following some of the things that were spoken in Acts, and, and totally missing, like what we're talking about here, the fact that it, it's not necessarily 
something that we are to follow, but we look at this, we can find out some things, and then we listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, and that's, you know, we walk according to the Spirit, not according, and this is controversial for some people, we walk according to the Spirit, not according to the Bible. Our life well, is not, a, we don't follow the Bible, we follow the Holy Spirit, and the Bible can play a really, really good part in that, though. People are scared. It's again, people are, we're, we're all scared to, <laughs> yeah, it's like, not scared is the wrong word, but the greater trust you have, the more you realize how true it is that the Holy Spirit is with you, how true it is um, that he is leading you, how true it is that his wisdom will uh, is guiding you, that it's, it's actually a reality. Then the Bible loses its, um, its authority you know, then you can actually say, look, um, I'll read the Bible if, if, um, if I feel like it, you know, and if not, it's all right. And maybe I'll never read the Bible again. And people, of course, they can't understand that if they haven't gone on that, on that journey because um, they think, no, without the Bible, you just drop dead. You, you're, you're finished without the Bible. <laughs> and sometimes I try to explain to people, say, look, you know, again, we come back to this thing, the creator of the universe. You know, I can't. I can't fix a doorknob if it falls off, you know? I'm hopeless. <laughs> he built the entire universe, you know? Man, he's very, very clever. He knows, really, God knows a lot of stuff. You know, it's shocking, but the Spirit of God is very, very intelligent and very, very wise and, you know, very, very loving, you know? And uh, I think he can all promises better than I can. When he says he's not leaving, I'm sure that means, really, he's not leaving. When he says that... When Jesus says, I'm going to send you the counselor, he's going to help you, he's going to lead you in all truth, I just believe that. And But when you don't believe that, then you have to latch on to something. And I think people latch on to the Bible. Think mm-hmm. if I just hold on to the Bible, everything will be all right. It's like, no, you've got to let go of the Bible. Let it go and let yourself hold on to the Spirit. Because when you do that, the Spirit will lead you to read the Bible or parts of the Bible and where he wants you to read it. And maybe he knows you need some time where you don't read it. You know, um, I explained in, I think we did an interview like a year or two ago, and, you know, the first year of my um, time as a Christian was a very spiritual year and had this huge spiritual experience with God, but um, I never read the Bible. And then God actually spoke to me after one year when I really cried out for help, you know, because I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't part of it. Christian community or any, you know, any of that kind of stuff, but, you know, I had this really huge conversion. Um, and God spoke to me and said, look to Peter and look to Paul, which I understood as read the Bible. And I went and got a Bible, and then I was fascinated at what I read. But later on, I thought to myself, not the question, why didn't anybody tell me to read the Bible? My question was, God, why didn't you tell me to read the Bible? Hmm. I mean, God was talking to me every day. I mean, we had... I, I got, got rid of a whole bunch of great struggles in my life. Um, I talked about things that I didn't get rid of, but we still, he was talking. I had great revelation of his nature and who he was. I was completely filled with his love. It was just an incredible year. And God could have at any moment spoken and said, read the Bible. And he didn't. For one whole year. And what I learned from that was um, the Spirit of God in me really is enough. He can lead me into all truth. He did lead me into the Bible, which I absolutely love. You know, I've written a paraphrase of the Bible. I've written a commentary now. And, uh, you know, 
I want to explain everything. I want. To, I, I think it's a brilliant, amazing work of God, but um, I don't lift it up as if it's got equal weight with the Spirit. It's like, come on, guys, you know, mm-hmm. we got to we got to trust the Spirit, you know, and not be afraid that that means like you hate the Bible. It's like no, it's like the Bible is awesome in its place, but the Bible's not going to teach me. You know, the Spirit is going to teach me, and the Spirit might use the Bible. The Spirit might use my relationship with my mother. The Spirit might use nature. Uh, the Spirit might just speak directly into my heart. You know, the, the Spirit is a teacher that does it in many ways. Jesus didn't come to earth and just teach people from the Bible. He came to earth and then he started teaching mm-hmm. from nature, you know. <laughs> he started teaching from animals. He started teaching from relationships. He, he was like, look, let me show you how things are, but... I'm not just going to teach you like the Pharisees from the scriptures, you know. And he, even the Gentiles, you know, talks about in Romans how they knew God not through scriptures, not through the law, but by creation itself. There's all yeah, kinds right. of ways that people can know know yeah. God. And that, and in my book, I talk about that. Um, this whole point of what what we need to realize is the God gave the Jewish people the written instructions to help them understand something and this is what the Lord's ultimate purpose is is um, it's not about having the right information God can give you information and it's not enough you'll fail you need his spirit to give you the strength to do things you need his spirit to be the one that's doing it in you you know it's and because the 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 Israelites you know on the Mount of Sinai they say to Moses and whatever God wants us to do, we'll do it. And what that means, modern day translation, just give us the information. What does God want? Just give us the info. That's all we need. We just need to know what he wants. And God's like, really? Okay, here's what I want. And, oh, you can't do it. Okay. No. <laughs> because, and then you've got the Gentiles, and they know in their spirit, in, their, in, in, in the inner man, they also know what God wants, but they didn't have the power either to do it. And that's that whole point. It's, it's not about the knowing of what God desires. It's how do you actually do it? And the information is not enough. We need to trust in the Spirit that He can outwork God's righteousness and God's loveliness and God's nature in us, you know? Yeah, and, I, um, I think about, you know, the Scripture says, what the law could not do, God did by sending His Son. And I think in the same sense, we could say, what information could not do, God exactly. did in sending His Son, so that His life is in us, His Spirit is in us. It's not, again, it's not about the written code, it's not about information about God, but it is really the reality. Uh, the yeah. one thing that I... that is really sticking out to me in our conversation here is the reality of Christ, the the sufficiency, how he is enough, him, God himself, in us. That is our reality. That is our sufficiency. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, it's it's really a revelation. People should think about what you just said because it's powerful, this whole idea of replacing it to think about it with information, you know? You will not be a sinner, you will not be a slave to sin, for you are not under information, but you're under the Spirit. You, mm-hmm. Know? you know, you're not under the powerless information that is powerless to help you, although it can tell you what's right, can't help you to be right. But you're not under that. That's not, you, it's not like up to you and information together. You, you're like a team where you're going to fail, right? But hey, I've got good news for you. 
it's you and team spirit. <laughs> you guys together, you're going to win. Mm. You mean? Mm-hmm. Got to live in the team spirit, guys. You know, like, you're going to win. You're a winner in this team. You know, it's like being on, it's like, man, when Michael Jordan was playing and, um, you know, when he was in the prime, you know, there was an Australian guy, Luke Longley, I think it was, and he was also an awesome basketball player. But let's just say that he broke his leg or something and Mick Mooney got put on that team. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. I would have had five gold rings on my finger as well. We still would have won every championship because Michael Jordan was on the team. <laughs> and that's all you needed to win the whole damn thing. You know? <laughs> and I could be the weakest and most hopeless basketball player, but it wouldn't matter. I was on Team Jordan. And that's the thing. When you're in team spirit, you're going to win. Right. Because no matter how weak you are, his strength's going to cover you. His strength's going to make you overcome. He's going to make you win. And that's the power of living a life by the spirit. Amen. I mean, that's good preaching. I tell you what. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> if more and more people uh, would, would by, no, the, I mean, by the spirit, would hear that and would preach that. <laughs> what a wonderful... I mean, it is a wonderful church. The body of Christ is awesome and, and wonderful, but it would be so, you know, much more wonderful if people understood that this is this is who we are. This is the body of Christ. This is what it's all about. It's it's the life of Christ in us. You know, He's the head, and and we're members individually of of one another and of Him. And it's again, it's not information, but it's life. It's not law, but it's life. Um, well, Mick, I uh, just wanted to say how much I appreciate you and uh, the the time and the care and the love that you put into you know all the things that you do, the various things from uh, from having created the, the comics uh, to the writing that you do to sharing bits and pieces on on Facebook and on the internet in various different ways and, and in so many ways. I know that many, many people over the years have been blessed and will continue to be blessed by what um, the, th- the things that you, you know, put your heart and soul into. And just wanted to let you know that I appreciate, you know, I appreciate you taking the, uh, the time uh, to spend uh, with me so that we can uh, put this out there for people to listen to. I think many, many people will be blessed with this as well. So thanks, Mick, for uh, taking the time with me here. Yeah, thank you, mate. It's been uh, a pleasure. Been real fun. I, I'm 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 ready to go now. You know, my wife's gonna hear me preaching the next six hours. She's <laughs> she's getting scared downstairs. Like, oh no, he's on a roll. It's trouble. But no, it's been great. So I appreciate it. And I'm I'm home alone, so I don't have anybody to preach to. So I might just I might just <laughs> well, have you know, to I, do I just, some just record a video or just something. Just the trees, you know. Just do whatever. Doesn't matter. Just, well, once, just praise creation. Just just right scream out the window. Glory to God in the highest. You know. I mean, it's. It, yeah, and it's reminded to you when you, you know, spirit is awakened to it. So it's awesome. Yeah. Well, as, yeah. as uh, we wrap up here again, uh, searchingforgrace.com, uh, find out all about Mick, get his, uh, get his books and, uh, sign up for his newsletter and, and, you know, everything and, uh, be very blessed with, uh, the, what God is doing through, through Mick Mooney. So once again, Mick, thanks a lot. And I really love you and appreciate you, brother. Thanks, buddy. Okay. All right. Once again, this has been Growing in Grace Together. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay.